Welcome back to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. My name is Mike, also known as the Used Book Guy on YouTube, along with my friend and fellow full-time reseller, Johnny B. We help people start and grow their reselling businesses from the ground up. We also have a weekly Zoom call and private Discord for all YouTube members. Head on over to youtube.com backslash usebookguy to join the channel and gain access to the full-length podcast, Zoom call, and private Discord today. Let's get into this week's episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 13. As always, JB needs to help me with the leftover digits. Look, he don't even know what he's doing here. 13. Uh, today's topic is going to be failing at reselling, right? How how does it happen? Is it possible? Uh, personally, you know, like it really depends how you define failing. Is it just one aspect of your business? Is it just giving up altogether? There's a million different things we can talk about in this call. And we're kind of going to jump into it. And I'll kind of lead off here with... I would say my own failure in reselling would be trying to be an everything seller and getting burnout to a point where I have to completely change my business model. Because when you're selling everything, you need an everything size box, which doesn't exist. Although, you know, maybe somewhere down the road, somebody develops a box where you can just, you know, anything size, it fits it perfectly. But that was kind of the biggest hassle with me is just the, the tub inventory system, right? Where you throw everything in the tub. I used to be that guy and uh, Deb used to <laughs> Deb used to yell at me all the time about it because it's like, okay, well, I know it's in the blue tub, but now I got to open the blue tub and dig through the blue tub to find it. And in the blue tub isn't just, you know, what I'm looking for. It's shoes, it's toys, it's games, it's everything. So it used to be a disaster for me. So I would definitely say I failed at selling everything. I didn't have a good enough inventory system. And I think that kind of boiled down to not having enough space, right? There are people that do everything selling really well. Um, one person I could say that just re-ramped their whole inventory system and, and sent me a picture of it is uh, hauled by Hollies, Kyle on uh, YouTube. He recently redid all of his inventory. He used to kind of be like me where he had the space and everything was kind of just laid out around you. So you just say, all right, well, I know this is here, this is there. It's a, it's a mental thing, but there's no like physical way to track your inventory and he went to you know nice boxes on shelves everything's organized way better than it was so it is possible to succeed at that but i failed uh, so i'm gonna throw it over to you here i was only laughing at you because i did the same thing when i started everything just went in tubs i don't even think they were different colors <laughs> but no um yeah you can and on, on the pre-inventory you can overbuy um and you can set yourself up for failure that way because if you're spending more than you're making, well, you're going to end up with no money at some point keeping that up um, because the money's not coming in as fast as you need it to because cash flow is king in our business, right? Um, and as far as inventory management and cash flow go, or not cash flow, as far as inventory management and being an everything seller, it's totally doable. Um, like you mentioned, I know several other sellers that are everything sellers and they do just fine. Um, their life, I, in my opinion, would be easier if they were to settle on just a few things, but they, they like buying anything they make a buck on. They, they live off the flip, right? And the more flips and the different kind of flips they can make, that's their thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. Technically, I, I, for myself, just prefer to make it simple and easy as I can on myself. That, that kind of reselling is not for me, but it works for other people. And it, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. Do you think a lot of it is the expectations versus reality of reselling, right? So if you're if you just were looking into reselling today, 
and you're on social media, YouTube, all these vid TikTok. I think I think reselling kind of the in general, it gives you a, a false pretense that all you have to do is go to the thrift store and find the item and buy it, right? There's no really channels. I mean, there are channels, but the majority of the bigger channels kind of don't show you a lot of behind the scenes and kind of how the numbers break down. So I feel like a lot of people jump into it with this expectation that is actually like furthest from reality. No, that's, that's totally true. And I hate to say it, and you're not one of these people, but there are other YouTubers and people on social media and bloggers and all that that just post their sales numbers and sales is not your net dollars. What's coming back to you. Unfortunately, there's a few people that do it. It's not everyone that does just sales numbers, but for the majority, I would say the louder voices that put it out there constantly only speak in sales numbers. And that's not bottom line coming into your bank account. And then you got to factor in your taxes on top of that. Is that pre-tax dollars or before tax dollars? Um, there's just a lot of variables, and it's not that they're trying necessarily trying to be dishonest, but it's hard to say, hey, I made $1,000, when it's like, no, you made $500. What video is going to do better? The $1,000 video, of course. So I get it. I get it. It's a marketing thing for their video content or their blogging content or their podcast. Even. Um, and I think that transparency transfers over to the individual reseller. They like to talk in big numbers, too. We all do. We all like to put ourselves up a little bit better than we actually are. It just sounds nicer to us, and it sounds nicer to other people. Is that bad, question mark? I, again, I don't think it's a thing of dishonesty. It, I mean, it kind of is. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's a thing. I'm just going to say it's a thing. What do you think the time frame is? for somebody to quit reselling if they started today? Like, what, how long do you think it is until the average brand new reseller quits? I would, I, I have this like two month number in my head for some reason. I was thinking three months, but I think that's a little long because I think two months, the first month you're kind of, mm, all right, you're kind of gung-ho about it. You just started it. And then you kind of, you're not getting the results. You're not listing the items or not selling. And then by the end of the second month, I feel like that's probably where people quit. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You think that's a good time frame for like new people that actually quit reselling altogether? I think it's longer than that, actually. I think it's more like on six months. And here's why. I agree with you. What you just said, that's when they're going to stop. But they're not going to stop thinking about it. I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it until like the six month cycle. And then they just don't think about it anymore. It's officially done. It's even out of their heads. They may write things down on paper. They may make plans, but they never execute on those plans. Um, or I, I got to get my listings up. I got to send my box out. They don't, it, it's just there and it's an annoyance to them and they just eventually give up. What, what will we say is the biggest cause for people failing? Would it be like, I mean, it's hard to kind of pinpoint like one thing, but I guess if you had to choose like a trait, I guess it would be like discipline and consistency or like the main two you kind of need. Right. Cause buying's the easiest part of what we do. Everything else is actual work after that, right? Going to the post office, putting it up, packing it away, sending it off to Amazon. Um, if you've never done an Amazon before, your first go around is going to take you a little while. Um, and that may that may be the feeding of itself. Oh, this is really hard. It's taking too much time. 
I don't think they really think about, I can get faster at this. I can get faster and better at this. They don't think along those terms. They think of the, what's happening to them right now. Do they want to continue to do this? Because I'll be honest, my first box, and this is before I used fancy software, old school style like you, Mike, took me four freaking hours. Because I was so concerned, all the interface was new to me, and I was using junky junk Amazon interface, double-checking your videos, making sure I, was, I had your video up on another monitor, going step-by-step. Step. That made it easier and faster, but I didn't have that. It would probably take me close to six hours. Yeah. It, doesn't take, it takes me less than an hour now to do a box. But first time, six hours, that's kind of self you're self-defeating yourself. If you don't set yourself up, I can do better. I can get faster at this. I agree. Deb, uh, Deb said, says it all the time. Like that first uh, few boxes I did, she didn't say it out loud, but she said, there ain't no way this is going to work. You know, this is taking you forever. Like, cause I'm not the best with computers and everything. So uh, it's definitely like, it's a reality of it. And it's almost as if like, you kind of hit it on the head. It's, it's not really going out and finding inventory, whether or not you're going to fail. It's about getting your processes in place. I think that's like kind of the thing that gets overlooked the most. Yeah. Most people, like you said, just go out. Oh yeah. Going to the thrift store is fun. Buying stuff is fun. But if you don't have a process on the back end of what you're going to do with every single item you buy, then you're going to be you're going to fail. I, that's just, that's all it comes down to whether you're new or whether you've been doing this forever. You might be getting away with the chaos. Now you might be, you might've been getting away with it for the past year or two years. Sooner or later, it's going to catch up to you in the process. If you don't have it in place, you're done. You're just going to be wasting time and not going to be efficient. I still get, ex I got a bulk pickup tonight, guys. I'm excited about it. I love buying. Buying is my favorite part. I think it's everybody's favorite part. Um, but I do know, when that stuff comes back, I got to process it all. I got to sort it for three distributions, Amazon, eBay, and Merchant Fulfilled Amazon. And then I got a price comp on eBay. I got, And then I got to, okay, now I got to pack a box or I got to put them on the shelves for Merchant Fulfilled. Um, there, there's work that goes out of that. And then one sells, I got to ship it out, right? I think shipping is another failure. Do you mind if I segue to shipping? No, go ahead. Shipping is another failure on people's end because they'll do the three, four day thing, which will affect your sales. First of all, you got you got to ship fast. And that goes back to what you were saying about discipline. If you don't have like next day minimum, you're going to have less sales because of that. So you got to be disciplined to, OK, an order came in. I got to pack it today or I got to pack it tomorrow because that's the latest. Tomorrow it has to go out the door. I think I think the the, the hack with that is. You have two-day processing, um, and you go and you pack your orders Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You don't pack anything Tuesday or Thursday because you don't have to. Um, I th That's that's kind of the way I look at it, unless I don't have anything else going on. I'll go grab orders because the unit's close enough for me. But I think that's the hack people need to get into. I do agree. Longer processing times aren't going to benefit you. We live in a world where everybody expects Amazon type deliveries uh, where you get it within two days. And that's just the reality of it, unfortunately. Um, but I do agree shipping, shipping, having a plan for shipping is could be a, another reason I just talked about in the beginning, right? You got all these different size boxes piled up wherever you're at in your house, yeah. your garage, it, it can turn into like, you'd be like the blob all of a sudden you're just like, you got so much cardboard and, and dunnage laying around that it, it just, it gets to be too much. Right. And and then you got to factor in, especially you part-time guys, you got limited time, right? Are you doing your mail run on your lunch break? Are you going to go back home? Or are you going to have that stuff in your car? So you waste less time going back home to go to the post office, Is your post office, even near your work. 
Is there a closer post office you could use? You got to factor all these in. Uh, and especially, and let's say you were a full time guy. Okay. Well, you got, you, you're at the point like where Mike and I are at. You got a lot of orders came in over the weekend. I had about 60 books I had to pack on and get ready to go for Tuesday. So I pulled them the night before. I didn't pack the night before. I pulled them all, laid them out in the line. They needed to get done. I do mine one at a time. I don't do that nonsense where I put all the labels at once. I think it's a waste of time and confusing. So I do it one at a time so I don't make mistakes because I can't afford to make mistakes, honestly. Um, and then it was just a conga line of packaging. I got all the packaging. I, I looked at the books. Uh, and speaking of packaging, I've streamlined my packaging to about four different package sizes. So I laid everything out in advance. So I came in here Tuesday morning, took me about an hour to pack it all. If, and if I didn't do that, it probably would take me three to four hours, which would have screwed up the rest of my day to pull, pack, and ship. Because um, I can't afford a three-hour loss on the day packing. I got to do my listings. I got to do my sourcing. I got to do my sorting. I got to do my put away. I got to do all of this, that, and the other uh, at the full-time level. Do you think another reason people like uh, fail at reselling or basically you know, quit reselling is that they see other people around them success and they're not getting those results. So they think, you know, yes. like it's, oh, well then forget about it. Right. I can't make, I don't know what, you know, you're doing. Uh, I don't know what JB's doing over there, but like, I can't, I can't come up with those numbers. So it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Right. I'm not clearly, I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, you kind of just run yourself down and just decide to throw in the tail. No, I think very much so. And I think even the people that stick with it, we compel ourselves to other resellers. I compare myself to you, to be fair. And I'm sure you do the same, even though you'll never do eBay like I do. it. But no, I mean, I think we all compare ourselves to other resellers, whether you decided to take the comparison as I'm done, I can't ever get to that. Or no, that's my motivation. I want to get to that. Because uh, I think that's the two side of the coins between sticking with it and quitting is you do that comparison and like, I want to be like that guy, or I want to do better than that guy, especially if you have the super competitive personality type. And if you're not as competitive, it's easier to go on the other side of the coin. Like I can't be at that level. I'm going to just going to quit. Or the other way you can take it. And I've seen people do this. I'm just going to do the best I can on my level. What, how am I going to do it? I'm never going to be like Mike. How am I going to do it the best I can? What's my maximum potential? How can I live up to me, not anyone else? That's the other way to take it. Uh, <clears throat> I fall into the, I don't, I don't compare like uh, myself, like with numbers anymore. I'm more or less, when I see like, if I compare myself to you or somebody else in the group or another YouTuber or another Amazon seller, I look at the processes, right? Like I'm comparing my process to somebody else's because if I can refine my process, I'm in turn going to make more money. I know that sounds so weird to think about, but like, I'm happy for people. Like, you know, you make a lot of money. I'm happy for you. I don't care if you're making more than me. I want to know, Hey, how are you getting that much out of your time? Right. What are you doing differently, better than me? Um, because sales just comes with inventory. The more you list, the more you sell. That's just the way it works. But the processes are where you get your time back. So I'm yeah. kind of like, I, I seriously don't compare like my sales numbers to anybody else. Yeah, sure. It's like to shoot your number off. Oh, how are your sales today? Whatever. But it's not, I don't, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, hey, so what are you doing differently? Right. And I, I don't think, at least for me, I don't compare myself to whatever they put in their bank account. 
I compare myself to how many boxes they're sending out, how many listings they're doing, how many they sold. I don't care about the numeric value personally. I just want to have my sales frequency. I want to have my output frequency capacity go up. Those are the things I today I compare myself to. Would it be nice to have a bajillion dollars a year? Just like, I don't know, whatever big book selling company there is. Sure. But I don't, I want to know how they're doing, how they're doing that kind of output and start thinking along those lines. Maybe they've mastered shipping is the way they do it. They mastered customer service. And I get they have employees. I get they have gigantic warehouses, which I don't have. I have a very small warehouse. Um, But I, I factor in, okay, I'm at this level. They're doing that at that level. What can I put? here on my level and mimic what they're doing and maybe even refine what they have to even something better that's how i think i got i got a a, a, the ultimate question here for this podcast coming at you right now Uh um is it possible to fail at reselling because you can't find inventory in general or what we do in general i'm not saying uh, you're you don't have to you you're not niching down or anything. I'm just talking, you started reselling three months in, you say, I can't do this because I can't find anything to resell for profit. Is that possible? Oh, it's super general. It's not even, I chose a niche with really obscure objects like African art. No, I'm talking across the board. You just started, uh, maybe we'll just say you're, you know, you're, you're still an everything seller. Can you, is it, is it possible to say, you can't you don't have enough inventory in your area to be a reseller i would say yes but you have to be super 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 remote but the answer to that is go outside of your area or figure out how that area stuff to comes to you is the answer but if it's literally eight out like you live in a remote really small village in alaska sure you you've got limited resources but you got to figure out how to make those resources go to you, or you got to source all of your inventory like a year's supply at once. You take a week off of work, you get it all during that week, and you haul it back, and that's your stuff for the year. So you I'd could. say yes, but you can make it no, but you got to put forth the effort to do so. Besides the anomaly of living outside of Anchorage, um, no, I, and the answer is no. I 100% say no to this um it's not even an option and i would even say you know if you live in the middle of nowhere there's a lot of lot of people out there right now that just do away and don't leave their house and make a lot of money doing it um that's just laziness to me honestly if you say you can't find inventory are you do you have flyers are you on craigslist facebook next door there are so many different ways to source and i don't want to hear well i got one goodwill in my town and there's nothing there well that's not you don't have, you're not even trying <laughs> go door to door you got any books you got any clothes back there i i sell fishing poles you got fishing poles back there you're, you can as, make ways as much as we sit here and kind of joke about it i think a lot of people think that because they're so single focused on their one thrift store, their one Ross or Marshalls, if they're doing retail arbitrage, there's no like no outside of what you see thinking. And I always say you got to think outside the box. That's how you're going to win. That's how you're going to get cheaper items, better items. And I think because all you really see is, you know, 
the main stores, right? Your retail arbitrage people going in the same three stores, all your thrifters going in thrift stores, you know, they really don't see a lot of behind the scenes of person to person buys, uh, collection buys, things like that. There's so many different things you can do. And I think since it's so mainstream now that a lot of people only think that is the way. So I think a lot of people can actually tell themselves like, hey, well, I went to my Ross or Marshalls and it sucked. So I can't find the inventory. So I quit. Right. Now I'm going to throw this back at you. For the personality type that does not like to interact with other people that much, going in the thrift store, the known thrift store, and checking out. It's way easier. Getting on the phone, going door to door, um, driving around, hopping out, and looking at these really obscure, hidden-in-the-back kind of shops, and then talking to other people extensively, or going to the flea market, which is a lot of interaction, too, if you've never been. I think that's much harder for that personality type to do. And it's draining on them, sure. But if you want to be in the business, you got to do it. You got to do it. I'm going to tell you an untold used book guy story from many, 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 many moons ago. Uh, when I used to live down in Philly, me and my partner I used to work with, uh, he was real big into flea markets. And we would uh, dumpster dive in the Goodwill uh, dumpsters. They used to have the huge dumpsters and Goodwill would just... You know, the stuff that didn't sell, that wouldn't even send to the bins back then. They would just throw it out. We're talking probably 15, maybe even longer years ago. So they would just throw it out in the dumpster. So he's like, hey, yo, Mike, come with me. We'll go to a Goodwill dumpster. We'll pick out a lot of stuff. We'll sell it at the flea market. No person interaction there, right? It's just you and the dumpster. Yeah. Um, and another thing that me and Deb used to do when I first started realizing like reselling was profitable this is this is like I mean this is nitty gritty stuff here. We used to go around to the uh, the rich neighborhoods on trash night. At night, you know, it's dark out, and we would drive around and just grab stuff from the trash to sell at the flea markets. And we we actually made decent money doing that. And there was no interaction; it was just me, you know, the raccoons that are in the trash waiting to hop out and bite Deb and whatever they got. Right? That was kind of. Uh, one of those ways where you really don't have to interact with people. And I even had people reach out to me uh, through my Craigslist ad about doing, because I have in there contactless pickup, right? Leave your stuff on the porch. I'll put your money in an envelope, write my name and everything, leave you a receipt and put it right in your mailbox. People are also fine with doing that. So I think kind of the 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 type of person that doesn't want to deal with other people, I don't think that even holds any water anymore either. No, I like that you spelled that out. That's perfectly fair. There's no excuse, people. There's none. Mike has said so. I like it. I I mean, you just, like I said, but, you know, who who on YouTube is going around filming a video that's popular that uh, is driving around the rich neighborhoods at night by themselves, grabbing stuff out of the trash? It doesn't exist, right? So you it's don't think that's a quality even... video because it's pitch blackout. <laughs> you don't even Hold think on, that. Let it, let's get the lighting <laughs> equipment out and hover it over the trash cans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not even a thing right so it's like people people never never even heard of that until they heard of it and me just say that i do that right they're like oh damn wait a minute let me let me go to the rich neighborhood and see what they put out on trash night you'd be surprised and i mean we have people in the group that that do dumpster diving and i guarantee you you know her having her buy cost is zero she's making a whole bunch of money and uh you know cost is gas right <laughs> you know where the inventory is going to be right you know you're going to that dumpster it's going to be there and it's it's crazy to think about but i do think a, a 
the whole inventory thing is, you know, that's not an excuse. There's profitable inventory everywhere. Everybody has yard sales, even if you live in the middle of nowhere. So somebody's going to be getting rid of their stuff, you know, sooner or later. And like you said, I say it all the time, right? Part-timers, if you had one bulk buy for 2000 items, how long is that going to hold you over because you're doing this part-time? It's, right. it's almost backwards thinking. Like you shouldn't be going out sourcing from thrift stores. If you're part-time, you should be looking for bulk deals because then you don't have to leave your house and you can work around your schedule, not the thrift stores and your work schedule. And when he says bulk deals, he's not speaking of Gaylords. No, no. I think, I think the Gaylord thing is, I honestly think it's a thing of the past, unless you're doing huge volume and you have a lot of employees and a big old warehouse, uh, Gaylords are a thing of the past. It just it doesn't make sense. You want to go out and buy people's personal collections, yes. people looking to move and downsize. That's where the money is, right? Um, I have one coming up, and he's got all of his stuff alphabetized. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff where you're going to find the gold, right? You're not getting no doubles. Clearly, this person takes care of their stuff. So it's one of those things where, you know, that that's that can literally change your whole business, your whole income for the year if you're doing this part time. Right. And like myself, I like I call it I buy my own Gaylords or I make my own Gaylords with these bulk buys. Right. But I have a way to process my quote unquote duds. They go to eBay. I don't I don't use the buyback program. I don't donate, but I have a way to get rid of them. I think that's key, especially for your part time people. Um well, here's a fun question for you before no, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. Uh if you gotta find a way to process your duds somehow, some way and get money off of them. Um now my question to you, Mike, is you and well, I I just buy it all. I, I don't pre-scan it beforehand. What would you advise on a bulk buy to a part-time guy? Because they're gonna get more reds than they are greens. That's just the nature of the game. <laughs> you gotta buy it all. It's not they they don't these people don't want to make money off it they want it gone and any little bit they can get you're providing a service more or less you know the money right they want it all gone and they see that hey maybe i can get 20 bucks 40 bucks whatever is you know i can get a pizza tonight or something you're providing a service i wouldn't i i just highly recommend not going in there and or even being like if they email you be like hey well i can come through and scan all your stuff they do not want that. I've never, anybody I've come across and I had that conversation when I'm there, it's always, oh, we're so glad to see it all gone, right? We don't, we got tired of seeing it around. The wife wants it gone. The husband wants the books gone. There's a million different ways, but it all boils down to they want everything gone. I never had somebody that's like, well, I'm going to keep this or I'm going to keep that. No, it's, they, they want it all gone. They don't want anything to do with it anymore. Just while you were speaking there, I figured out my advice to the part-time guys because Bouncing off our call last week. If you haven't listened to our call from last week, go listen to it. It's about all about part-time and full-time people. Um, find a guy like me and sell that eBay stuff too. Even less than what you bought it for. You're going to make more money than your buyback programs. You don't have to worry about what they're not going to take. Because people like me, we'll take it all. We'll know it's for eBay, especially if you're straight up with us. And guess what? We're going to call you all the time. You just handle the greens for Amazon. That makes your life cake. If you live by me, I would literally just give you all my eBay crap. Like that's that's uh, where I'm at. And I've even thought about doing that, right? Finding somebody to do maybe a consignment with or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, I'm so I'm much more selective with my eBay stuff. So I really don't have a huge backlog of inventory sure. waiting. Can I can I speak about the box or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mike sent me a box of stuff he didn't want to deal with. 
what I loved about Mike's box was all his books were clean. <laughs> like I'm used to dealing with filthy books, water damage books, all this. Mike sent me a nice box of clean looking books. And They're all like, free. They're all they free, free from the library too. So, I mean, it, people take, people take care of their stuff. I mean, for the yeah. most part, um, I do have an, I got another box coming your way probably this week. Um, yeah. I texted you the other day about that junk. I got to get through that box still. It's the only one I have left of the books. I just threw it to the side because Deb was scanning everything else. But find somebody like, you know, this crazy person who loves eBay and say, hey, you know, I'll send you a box of books. You cover shipping and maybe give me five bucks or something like that. You don't even got to deal with it. You just throw it in a box. I mean, you don't even got to do what I do and make sure it's nice and neat. You just throw it in there and send it off. Right? Most people don't care. They just want the inventory. Yeah. And the huge sellers, you can't have enough inventory because that's how you grow. But kind of back on the topic of failing, it's like if you're not consistent, and I know it's hard to be consistent when you're part time, especially if you want to if you if you want to have this, you know, on the side and be serious about it. Life happens. Right. So you got to kind of mitigate life happening and kind of try to stay a week, two weeks ahead of it. And I'm guilty of this. Um, I, I, there's a lot of things I don't get ahead of, and I always tell myself I should, but it, being part-time, it's hard to be consistent. And I think when you're, when you're not consistent, you might be thinking about it, but if you're not taking action, you're not going to get results. And it's almost as if like, you keep thinking about, you're going to do this, you're going to do this and it never happens. And you keep telling yourself, Oh, you know, I'm going to be able to make this much money and it doesn't happen. It, it's just like a never ending cycle burnout. And that's, that's why a lot of people go away. I got an answer for that. Uh, in my other group, there's a lot of parents. I'm talking anywhere from a single child infant still waking up at 2 a.m. kind of thing to like the person who has 15 kids. They got no time, right? None, because all the time is allocated to the kids. Well, they've given up sleep in one of two areas. Either they're getting up before the kids get up or they're staying up till after the kids go to bed to do their reselling business. That's the only solution I've seen work for those kind of people that have zero time. They either stay up late or they get up early and they get their work done and they go about their life because life for those people, it's go, 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 go all day. I would say that if you're new and you're doing this and you're kind of on the fence, reselling doesn't have to work, right? It's okay to decide, hey, this business isn't for me, right? It, ha it happens every day, large, you know, companies you know they decide hey you know all right we want out of this right we don't, we don't want to do this no more so i think it's okay to to quit reselling or you know decide to do something else with your life and i think that kind of gets lost right just because you decided to stop reselling doesn't mean you're a failure you can go do whatever you want in life you can do anything There's a million ideas out there you probably have in your head that you are wanting to do and, you know, maybe this just isn't a good fit. So don't think just because, you know, you didn't succeed at reselling that, you know, that's it. You're a failure at life. That's not the case at all. This is literally one little microcosm of the world. Right. And if you want to take a step back and say, I'm not even a part time, I'm a hobbyist. And you got to be OK with that, though. Don't compare yourself. Don't compare yourself to the numbers. Don't compare yourself to what other people are doing. You're a hobbyist. And at that point, have as much fun with it as you want. Buy all the things, buy all the crazy things for all the crazy boxes. But you got to make that acceptance. You have to have that acceptance for yourself, though, that I am a hobbyist. That's it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Reseller's Mindset Podcast. Today's full episode and all previous episodes are available to all YouTube members 
along with the weekly Zoom call and private Discord. Head on over to youtube.com backslash the used book guy and consider joining for as little as $2.99 a month.